Good morning, Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. She is Sylvia Obel. America is still racist, and you are watching AM to DM. What a weekend! Whew, what a life. <laughs> Every damn Every day. day. It's mm. just racism, racism, racism. Let's talk about this weekend, though. Started with Friday. Uh, Friday, I mean, between Friday and now, honestly, I'm, I'm just exhausted. I mean, I'm always exhausted. But on Fox, and particularly again, <laughs> this woman was talking about um, how, gosh, you know, she spoke to some African-Americans mm. who, you know, say that the conditions of the detention centers at the border Mm. are better than some of the projects mm. that I grew up in, said, said, that is a white woman African-American. Referring to her African-American friends. Saying, Imaginary African-American friends are gosh. everywhere on Fox, and I am fed <laughs> up, and I am tired of it. Keep our names out your mouth. Mm. I want to name them. I want to see the photos. Mm. I want to see who are these African-Americans that y'all keep lying on, because mm. I know they don't exist. I know they don't. Mm. Neato! <laughs> Neato! Gosh, you the know, I was in the projects the other day, <laughs> and they were just telling me how the detention centers look like a place they would love to raise their children. Oh, that's it. There it is. Isn't that fun? Yeah. LOL GOP, they had some fun with it. I spoke to some African Americans. Is my favorite new show on Fox. <laughs> I'd watch. I'd hate watch. <laughs> I'd hate watch. I'd scream. It'd be like an episode of like... Love and racism. I don't know. It's just like I I'm just so tired, y'all. Yeah. Just like just don't it's like if you it's like how are you gonna use people of color against people of color for your argument? Like it's just Say that again. How are you gonna use black people, like how are you gonna use people of color against people of color mm -hmm. to defend mm -hmm. like your racism? Like does that just not seem like a bad idea to you? Nope. Like well, I don't even know why we're having this conversation or why white people feel so comfortable lying on black folk. Like y'all feel so comfortable lying on black mm -hmm. folk. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. <laughs> they but weren't done, though. Fox wasn't done there, even though I was done. Fox <laughs> was not done. Um, yesterday, Yashir, you tweeted, on Fox News, David Bossi, former Trump deputy campaign manager, telling a black panelist that he is out of his cotton-picking mind. Mm. You heard that, right? Cotton-picking mind. Sylvia, when <laughs> I, I was a young man, okay. when I was a young man, we used to talk about these things called dog whistles. Uh -huh. And it's like they don't exist anymore. They're just out the window. People are just making racist statements out in the open. Who needs to hide their racism when it doesn't affect your ability to get a job mm. or get elected? Or get on TV. Or make money. Like, you know, it's like... <laughs> no repercussions. It's like no repercussions for it. And, you know, this is what a lot of people feared when these type of conversations started happening regularly. It was like, you're going to make it be so calm. Yes, racism has always existed. Mm -hmm. It's always something we've dealt with. But people are getting bolder and bolder and bolder. Microaggressions are turning to macroaggressions. And it's just like, <laughs> we can't only deal with so much. Like, it's just crazy. And this is the thing. He then issues a statement because David did a Apologize. He issues a statement, says sorry for my hurtful language, and goes on with his day. Faces no, no, you know, they will have him back on tomorrow. Like, faces no repercussions. No repercussions. And it's kind of like, it always is funny to me when people apologize for racism. Because mm. I'm like, what are you apologizing for? The fact that you said it or the fact that you felt it? I mean, I know the answer, but I'd like to hear you say it. <laughs> I want to hear you say it. I want to hear you say it. <laughs> but, you know, continuing in today's theme, this 
racism. racism. <laughs> um, another white woman called the police on a black person this weekend, except not to be outdone by Barbecue Becky. Permit Patty did so to an eight-year-old girl because she was selling water in front of her own house. Turns out the woman, later ID'd as Allison Ethel, has a cannabis business. Okay, so here's the thing. When we do this show, we have notes, all right? We have notes that we glance down on to remind us maybe some of the talking points that we mentioned earlier in the morning, maybe a joke or something that we mentioned. All I have here is screams into the abyss. Ah! It's wild! <laughs> That's so crazy! It's you wild! You called the police... On a child! ...to see if it was legal for her to sell water while you are out here selling weed? Profiting off of cannabis products, Holla Black Girl tweeted, this is why gentrification is a form of violence. Mm. This white woman is selling weed and mm. profiting while black folks sit in prison for life for the same thing. But then she calls the cops on a little black girl selling bottled water. And I'm just gonna say it again, hashtag permanent patty. My lord, I mean- yeah, no, nothing but facts in that tweet. Facts on facts on facts. Because it's like, it's not bad enough that you already, your white privilege is allowing you to get away with doing something that there are thousands of pe black people in jail for. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you want to try and go and send somebody's eight-year-old daughter to jail? Like, like not, she was all like, oh, well, you know, I wasn't trying to get them in trouble. You have to, at this point, know what calling the cops does. Yeah! Like, it's calling the cops <laughs> is getting people in trouble. That's what it is. Did you see, and you saw the video, all right? And yeah. again, there was Barbecue Becky, right? And you gotta admit, there's some- All on the phone. Similarities, all some similarities. And you see her try to duck Duck underneath the wall. Like, ashamed of the racism. Because like, she's embarrassed. She she's knows embarrassed. what she's you doing know is wrong. wrong. You know it's wrong. Because if you thought it was right, why are you hiding, sis? Mm -hmm. Why are you scared? Mm -hmm. You scared because now you, you know what you're doing is wrong and you want to be racist in private. Well, no. It was blinding, <laughs> blinding, blinding white privilege. Uh, and again, I, I want to say it. I know it's a theme of the show right now, but um, it is every day. It's it every, is every day, day. It's everywhere. And if you go on this weekend, I think we've hit a bingo. Ooh. Like I feel like we got. Well, not not. I think I think we've even got more racism to get to. We've oh, got okay. more racism yes, to do. get to. Yeah, more but racism we definitely to get to. I'm sorry. There's B so much happening. I N and a G so far for racist bingo. Oh. And but like, here's the thing. There were shootings this weekend. There was a lot of real yes, terrible shit that happened. And that's the issue. When you're calling like the police on somebody, literally in the news, we have a black boys who were killed by police. Mm -hmm. You know, killed. Mm -hmm. Teenagers. Mm -hmm. So it's not like situations have not been getting out of control forever. Mm -hmm. So when you call the police on an eight-year-old girl, you don't know how the situation may escalate. Mm -hmm. You don't know what else will get involved. Mm -hmm. It's irresponsible, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And you should not be using the police for something that's not an emergency. If you're insecure about being around black folks, you need to look inside yourself, get a therapist, something else. That's not our problem. It's like... Look inside. Look inside. Don't call externally. Is there a silver lining to this story? A very, very thin one. The thin silver lining, besides the fact that the cops did not come and this girl and her family are still at home in peace and alive, <laughs> is that she, the girl was raising money to go to Disneyland with mm -hmm. her family. That's why she was selling the water. And a decent, nice human being sent her four tickets to go to Disneyland, her and her family. After the story went viral and they found out what happened. Going to Disneyland. Um, also, it, it should be said that Patty made the rounds on the morning shows. She's crying a lot of tears. She, you know, trying to apologize maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I, here's the thing, I'm not buying it. I'm really, really, really not buying it. Imagine just, just put yourself in a 
place in your head right now where you're walking down the street, you see a kid selling water or selling lemonade, and your instinct is to call the police. And, and she was saying, oh, they were making a lot of noise. They're kids. And tell him they make noise. She wants a... to see if it was legal. Mm. You know how many lemonade stands I pass in these New York streets? Mm. Mm. It's ridiculous. So like like the good like the girls and her mother said to the apology mm. keep it sis yeah there it is that's basically to what they had to Ira, say about that to quote Ira it. keep your fake apologies and cry about the death threats somewhere else and just because this weekend was doing the most mike huckabee tweeted nancy pelosi introduces her campaign committee for the take back of the house now i believe we have racism bingo. <laughs> All the things oh, that yes, have gone down this... Oh, yeah, hit elected officials between now uh, racist Yeah, again, uh, no dog whistles. No dog whistles. Just straight up racism. He is the governor of a whole-ass state. Mm. <laughs> mm. Where a lot of people who look like the people in the photo that he tweeted live. He is a representative. A representative. And mm. he's showing who he clearly feels he like he represents. So we've got a white woman calling the police on a black child. We got a government elected official being racist. Mm -hmm. We got slavery with the cotton-picking thing. Which that's is like always the center the square. Center that's like, that's like the center square, yep. Always gotta have it. And then we also have... Um, Gosh, my African American friends. Oh, yes, the fake mm. invisible black friends. Yes, the lying on black people. Bingo. We got racism all in the, bingo. All in three days. Mm. It's like four or three days. Mm. Aren't you tired? Mm. Aren't y'all tired of being this way? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> you got... You, <laughs> you're like, I'm so tired, I'm not even looking at it. But, you know, but don't you worry also, uh, we will be also talking about the other Huckabee, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, mm. and the red hen when we go live from the district. We will be talking about that in a moment. For now, though, let's turn our attention to Texas. Here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. Lena Dunham, Amber Heard, and a crew of other Hollywood celebs attended a protest outside a child detention facility. That story is from our own Amber Jamison, who has been reporting from the border this past week and joins us now. Good morning, Amber. Good morning, guys. How are you going? Doing all right, doing, doing all right. right. You know, despite- It's racist bingo, it's hot. Despite <laughs> all the racism, it's like, we're, we're alive. Um, who organized yesterday's protest? So the event was organized by Voto Latino, which is a huge, um, you know, local organization here. It was a bunch of different uh, local activist groups that were part of it. Um, and, you know, the last week there'd been an, another protest here on the border. There was a lot of elected officials. And this week there was that as well, but um, a group of celebs, Lena Dunham sort of seemed to be the one who sort of organized um, them all to come together, chartered a plane from LA to uh, fly out and take part in the protest. Okay, so you mentioned Lena Dunham, but uh, what other celebrities were involved in the protest? I know you spoke with them. So what were some of the reasons they gave for getting involved? Yeah, so it was a different people. So Joshua Jackson, the actor from The Affair and obviously Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Mm. Um, okay. He talked about how, you know, one, he was a first generation um, American because he grew up in Canada and um, and he felt very clear as an American that it was his duty as he was being part of the policies that are happening right now with border separations. Um, I spoke to Bella Thorne and her sister Danny Thorne um, and they talked about how they had been seeing a lot of what was going on on the internet and really kind of wanted to come and actually witnessed what it looked like. I mean, to be clear, you don't get to see a lot. I'm actually about to in, in 
45 minutes, I'll be going and touring the facility of Etornillo, but that'll be the first time it's actually been open to media. So all they can sort of see is from outside the fence, but you are able to see uh, the tents where um, children are sleeping in and are being housed in. Um, I spoke to Connie Britton from Nashville and Friday Night Lights. She talked about how as a mother, she'd basically been having nightmares, um, all week. And she sort of woke up and was like, that's it. I just felt compelled to go, uh, to the border. Um, you know, Lena Dunham talked about how it was, you know, really, she thought it was a, a real atrocity and something that she felt was really important to be part of. Um, Trayvon Free, who's a comedian, he used to work right for Samantha B, um, and now works for community. He talked about how, you know, as a black man, he was very aware of the long history of the U.S. separating um, families from their children, and, and he wanted to kind of acknowledge that as part of um, what is happening now as part of the longer U.S. history. Right. And you mentioned all of these celebrities, but I was interested in wondering how impactful or do you feel or helpful it is, do you feel, when these celebrities get involved in issues like this? Yeah, that's a really tough one. Um, I think the thing is with, for example, there was a, a, a protest here a week ago. It did. It got local coverage, um, but was really kind of only some local politicians. Um, so I do think the advantage is obviously people like me and other reporters. I mean, yesterday there was a huge amount of turnout to the um, to the rally. Um, so I do think one way is that people are, are more likely to read and click on stories if celebrities turn up to these kind of events. Um, the celebrities were also kind of aware of what they were doing. Like they did not speak uh, apart from the actor um, Rob Rayner. He spoke, but everybody else was very clear that the local activists were here to speak, that locals were running the show, that they were organising it. So they were trying to make sure that they were, you know, letting those people take charge of the situation and run the rally and obviously be in charge and not cause trouble. You know, there was one point they were sort of saying, well, should we try and cross the border um, and see whether, you know, and have people stop us and maybe that would be, you know, an interesting photo. And others were saying, like, actually local activists have asked us not to do anything that causes trouble for them because they're obviously going to still be here. And all the celebrities were, of course, willing to sort of, you know, like honor that. So I, I, you know, am I going to say that it solves and changes things now that Joshua Jackson and Lena Dunham flew to the border? No, but I do think it does help. Um, at least some people, you know, read stories about it. They may not have otherwise. All right. The turnout was big. It helps raise awareness. Um, and especially when they know to kind of stay quiet, stay in the background and let activists do the talking. Well, Amber, I wanted to talk about another story. Last week you tweeted, I spent today at the El Paso Immigration Court where a three-year-old boy who'd been separated from his father had his removal hearing. When the judge asked his name, he replied, es un avion, it's a plane, and pointed at his picture book. Amber, your story was heartbreaking. What was it like being in that courtroom? I mean, it was pretty devastating to watch. I so. Basically, there was a three-year-old boy and a five-year-old boy. Both had come with their dads across the border and both had been separated from their fathers um, since then. Uh, the three-year-old, who you quoted then, um, seemed very happy and chirpy and was reading books and making jokes and, and all the rest of it. Um, kind of completely unaware of what was going on. Um, the five-year-old boy was a little quieter and, and sadder. And, in fact, during the hearing, they were both 
they, they were so little and kind of, you know, distracting each other that the judge asked them to come and sit up next to each other. And so they squeezed in the two of them on this big leather chair and the judge gave them a blow up um, gavel that he had for all the kids to play with. And they were hitting each other with it and kind of completely oblivious um, to what was going on. But one of the little boys, the five-year-old, um, Basilio, he was drawing a picture. And at the end, the judge asked him to come up and give him the picture um, and asked him what it was. And he'd been drawing it in yellow highlighter and with a pen. And so the judge said, oh, is it the sun? And it was translated into Spanish for him. And he replied, mi papi, like it's my dad. And that was a that was one of those moments when you could, you know, you could kind of see everyone go like, oh, gosh, like, okay, this is... This is tough because you're watching a three and a five year old try and navigate the immigration legal system in the U.S. Um, without their parents. That's heartbreaking. That's so heartbreaking. heartbreaking. And, you know, it's things like that that make really people wonder, like, is this impacting officials' feelings about the, what's going on? And, like, how can people help to, like, and what's being done to help you re reunite these families that are being separated like this? Well, and that's now the process is what's happening. And the, the government says that it's now got a system in place um, to, to reunite parents. Um, when I go to the facility today, I'm obviously going to be asking a lot about that. Um, one thing I did find really interesting at that immigration hearing was that the judge, Judge Howe, was very keen on asking the government, making sure how, you know, and, and, and asking their, the, um, the lawyer that was representing the children, who was from a not-for-profit, have you talked to the parents? Do the parents know where their children are? Have you been able to get in touch with them and for one of the parents who they were not able to get in they were unable to contact the dad who should be part of the current system um here he believes he's detained but the the alien registration number associated with him um didn't didn't work when they looked it up into the system and the judge made it very clear to the government to the government lawyer that you know we're having real issues here and i'm not happy with what is going on and how these cases are being handled and the information available so it does seem clear that people like judges and the legal system are able to at least hold a little bit of the government to account um, in that way. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Amber. Um, thanks for joining thanks. us. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and again, we want to shout it out. Amber is going to be continue reporting from the border, so yeah. you should definitely be sure to follow her on Twitter, especially as she goes to the detention center uh, today. And we also want to hear from you. How helpful do you think it is when celebrities use their platform to get involved with political issues? Let us know using the hashtag aim to dm hashtag use your power, but maybe stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, up next, it's time for fire tweets. All right, we're going to let loose. We're going to burn some <laughs> of this down. Welcome back. Time oh. for some fire tweets. Yes. We ready to hop right into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. First up. I love the sound effects. Um, <laughs> Deirdre, you tweeted, adulthood is arrogantly deleting and then sadly downloading Tinder and Uber Eats over and over and over. Mm. I've only deleted Tinder once and I never uploaded it again, but that Uber Eats one hits home. <laughs> So good on you for being strong. It's been, it was enough of horror stories for one round for me. I was like, you know what? I don't know. How long ago was that? A year? Good for 
definitely you. the year. I feel like it's like talking about quitting smoking almost. Yeah. Uh, but the, but, <laughs> the, <laughs> but the Uber Eats, that's uh, that comes that comes and goes. Yeah, that, that, that one is a, a mainstay. But yeah, that that Tinder. Mm -mm. I, I hear people do it back and forth though, but it cannot be me. I mu I want uh, I the, the exact moment I deleted it was because a white man told when he found that I was in entertainment, told me he suggested I watch Underground. Which is a show about slavery. Gonna move that, move this right along. <laughs> so you tweeted, age 10, I want Doritos. Age 15, I want sex. Age 20, I want truth and meaning. Age 25, I want sex. Age 30, I want Doritos. Mmm, that's just the circle of life. That's just the circle vibe. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. As a man that ate a lot of Doritos this past weekend, I feel it. I feel, feel it. You feel in your heart? Yes. All right, next up. In my heart attack. <laughs> your heart attack. Laura, you tweeted, my debit card feels more like a gift card. Not sure how much is on this, but we'll give it a try. <laughs> Let's give it a whirl. That triggered me, because once upon a time in my life, not too long ago, like, a couple months ago. No, that was my life. Look at you out here bragging. No, it's that is still my life. No, I mean, well, I mean, I try to keep, I'm trying to be more fiscally responsible. Not that I have more money, but I try to now look to see how much is in my account. I feel like the underlying theme of this segment is, is I'm getting more responsible. Yes, Sylvia's is getting more irresponsible. Oh, hang on, <laughs> hang on. You didn't have to make it an either or. All right. <laughs> Kristen Pritchett, you said, the kids I nanny asked why I wanted to see Incredibles 2. And I said, because the first one came out when I was a kid. And they really asked if it was in color. Damn. Um, that hurt me. I feel like we've had a lot of babysitting to it. Like, these kids are mean. These kids today are wild. They've been re reading too much Twitter. They are mean. Did you, uh, did you see Incredibles 2 yet? No, <sighs> I have not, but you I... Give yourself that joy this week. I do. I, huh, we need it. Did you see the A block? Okay. <laughs> Speaking of all the racism in the A block, here mm. goes the tweet of the day. You ready? From... From Jason. White folks, call 911 like it's customer service. Oh, man. I saw that tweet, and it was a gut punch this weekend. Because, good Lord, they sure do. <laughs> it's like, like, hello, ma'am. Yes, I'd like to report a black person him too close by bothering me. I think they didn't buy a coffee at Starbucks, and they're standing mm. two feet away. Mm. Oh, she's trying to make a little money in this economy. Mm. Gotta stop. An eight-year-old <laughs> selling water. Selling water. No, somebody think said... Before you dial, go. Think before you dial. Mm -hmm. And as somebody said recently on TV, um, 911 is for emergencies, not for your insecurities. Amen. I believe that was Jason Mitchell. Amen. <laughs> well, listen, we're going live from the district next with Paul McLeod. Got Sarah Huckabee Sanders still to talk about, so stick around. They go right. Yeah, presidents. Welcome back. We're now going live from the district. It's presidential tweet time from our Yelp power user in chief. The Red Hen restaurant should focus more on cleaning its filthy canopies, doors and windows, badly needs a paint job, rather than refusing to serve a fine person like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I always had a rule. If a restaurant is dirty on the outside, it is dirty on the inside. Hmm. I have that rule, but it's not for restaurants. Anyway, BuzzFeed <laughs> News Capitol Hill reporter Paul McLeod joins us now. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Hi, guys. How's it going? <laughs> well, um, Paul, what did you take away from the Red Hen News this weekend? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it was just such a perfect DC controversy. You know, we've got every day here decisions being made affecting billions of dollars or millions of people's lives, but then one person gets rejected from a restaurant and everyone freaks out and goes, oh, how dare you, sir? We have to have decorum. I, personally, I did, did not care at all. I thought uh, taking a job that makes you one of the most public and powerful people in the country, uh, if you get, get like you can't go to one restaurant, it's not that big of a trade-off. But I do want to say, uh, do a shout out to Red Hen DC, who spent all weekend fighting with all the trolls on Twitter, trying to convince them that they had nothing to do with the Red Hen in Virginia, and please stop trashing them on Yelp. This was not us. This was another restaurant. Thoughts and prayers to the Red Hen, DC. Good to, luck. To the other mistaken Red Hens. I do want to talk about that, though. You, you kind of called it the weekend outrage cycle, Paul. Uh, what does it mean, though, when these things that oftentimes are just talking heads fighting on television, filling airtime on a Saturday or Sunday, all of a sudden is what the president is tweeting about first thing Monday morning? The reason these stories have so much oxygen is because everyone on both sides loves them. I mean, on if you're opposed to the administration, then you love this story for obvious reasons, and you're encouraging people like, yeah, we need to we need to send a message to the people in power by uh, pushing them out of the public spaces and sending messages is not okay. And if you are a fan of the Trump administration, you're saying like, look at the intolerant left. That this this woman is being persecuted. Everyone can turn around to the people they agree with, and and uh, spread their message. So uh, you got it. You know, it fueled on both sides, and that's why. Oh my God, I bet we will be talking about this throughout most of the week. Oh well, here's knocking on wood about that. Uh, let's go to this tweet from BuzzFeed News. The Trump administration says that 500 children separated from their parents have been reunited. Paul, there's actually a little more context to those numbers. What do we know about these 500 children? Right. So, okay, just a quick recap for people. What's been happening is the Trump administration is charging uh, people who are entering the country with illegally entering the country. Uh, they're being separated from their kids as they go before a court. It's just a misdemeanor, so they're usually back within you know, 24 or 48 hours. But by that time, their children have already been taken away to uh, health and human services facilities, and that is where the separation happens and the families are kept separate. That has been what is happening. Uh, these 500 kids, essentially, these are the ones who they didn't get to that final step. They were separated from their parents, the parents went up to court, but they did not at that point move the kids to a different facility, which could in many cases be to somewhere totally different in the country. Uh, so they were able to be quickly reunified. So, but again, that's only 500 of the, I mean, the number everyone uses is 2,300 because that's the most up-to-date number we have. But it, by all accounts, it, it looks like it's well over 3,000 or at least around 3,000 children who've been separated from their families and many of them uh, remain separated right now. Yeah, and speaking of those children, what is how is HHS working to reunite these families when there's so many who are still separated? It's a little bit more haphazard once you get to that point because you've got HHS looking after the kids, you've got ICE uh, who are detaining the parents, uh, and they're not all really on the same database, I guess is how you would put it. Now, HHS insists that they know where the kids are, uh, they're keeping track of them and keeping track of who their parents are, but the parents have to be sort of proactive. They actually have to call a hotline and uh, you know try to give their information, and then it's a much more complex set of reunification. And, I mean, that's just sort of starting. We don't, we don't know yet how well that's going to work. I can tell you that I've been talking to some uh, advocates, and they insist that, the, that it does not work well, and that the calls, that, you know, they're basically just being left on hold, and they're not able to reach anyone on this hotline, but we, we don't basically, frankly, we just don't know yet how well that is working. We don't have conclusive data on it.
Mm. Well, here's a tweet from you, Paul. Trump's tweets have murdered another immigration bill, and they will kill again. Mm. <laughs> Violet. But, you know, okay. Paul, how exactly are Trump's tweets affecting the current immigration debate, as you mentioned in your tweet? Yeah, so I know it sounds weird to, to put so much attention on it, but I, I really think it makes it a significant difference. You've got a lot of Republicans who are looking for what we sort of jokingly refer to as air cover, uh, which is basically the approval of the president for any bill, any immigration bill that they're going to vote for, because you know they have conservative districts, and uh, they're, they're people who vote for them. Many of them are big fans of Trump. The last thing they want to do is sign on to an immigration bill, and then have Trump turn around and you know denounce it as an amnesty bill and all that, and they have to, and they're caught in the middle. They have to go defend a bill to their constituents that now their own president is bashing. So what they want is just assurances that Trump is going to stand behind whatever bill they come up with. And of course, that's really hard to get because Trump changes his mind over and over and we've already seen him go back and forth. He's back on supporting this immigration bill that is going to be coming out this week and says he supports it. But I can tell you, I don't think a lot of people trust that. I mean, like Republicans in Congress, I think they're freaked out. And there's so many reasons to not vote for an immigration bill at any time. The only way anything is ever going to get passed is if Trump leans into it and uh, it gives a hard push and really tries to mobilize Republicans behind one bill. That hasn't happened yet. And that has not happened yet. So where are we? You mentioned that it's the bill this week. Where are we at with this bill? And should we have our hopes up at all? No, no. <laughs> um, it, it's... That's, that's my general answer to that question. Uh, no, so there is a bill that's coming out this week. Uh, in theory, there's going to be a vote. It looks like it's coming. It's going to be headed for a massive defeat. There's some speculation Paul Ryan will pull the bill, but in theory, it's going to a vote. They're still writing it uh, because clearly the votes aren't there. There are negotiations within uh, House Republicans. And actually, I mean, some of the stuff that's going to be added is hugely sweeping, including mandatory citizenship tests for every worker in America. I mean, these are the type of things that they're talking about including in this bill, but I don't want to freak anyone out here. That's not going to become law. There is basically zero chance that this bill passes, I mean, even the House, let alone, let alone the Senate. This bill is not going to become law. Okay, so then there are no moderate Republicans or anybody pushing for this bill, is what you're saying? Well, they are. The problem is that they don't have any leverage anymore, and uh, the, the, the more hardline conservative Republicans know that. And so the moderates are negotiating, and they're adding more conservative stuff to try to win over people like the Freedom Caucus, that block of uh, uh, you know sort of Tea Party Republicans. But it doesn't look like they're going to win over those uh, the Tea Party Republicans. Uh, they're not going to win over Democrats, that's for sure. And it just they're kind of caught in the middle with a bill that's a compromise bill that it looks like it's going to get way fewer votes than a non-compromise bill. So they're, they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Between a rock and a hard place. Paul, Congress has a vacation coming up with July 4th. Uh, is there anything we can hope that they will accomplish in the week before now and then? I wouldn't say this week, but I would say where we might see some movement soon is the Senate. They uh, are working on a bill to fix a family reunification issue permanently. Right now, I mean, again, this is this is not a permanent fix. Uh, it, we could see uh, the courts intervene, and we will have the family separation issue coming right back. The Senate knows this. They're trying to do something about it. But of course, Republicans and Democrats really disagree on how to fix the issue, and 
so far, they are pretty far apart. I can see some ways that they could maybe thread the needle here and get, get a, a compromise, but so far that's not what they're doing. And this week is going to be really pivotal to see if they do come together, if they do reach a sort of middle ground solution uh, that could actually pass Congress. But like I say, so, so far they've been more butting heads. All right, don't hold our breath. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us this morning. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers. Up next, Sylvia is talking about what went down last night at the BET Awards. Stick around. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. Welcome back. I'm here with Scotty Beam, co-host of the Black Girl Podcast. To talk about last night's BET Awards. Yes. yes. Oh, my Lord. Okay, so there mm. was a lot to get through, sis. But yes. what we're going to start with is on a positive note, which mm. is why the BET Awards matter. Because as we critique with love, we yes. do want to stress the importance of why they matter. In my opinion, I think it's really about how we're often overlooked at award shows like the Grammys. Yes like the Oscars. You know, the fact that SZA finally won her Best Artist Award last night for the first time is ridiculous. And yeah. it's like, it's, I hate to think that without the BET Awards, she would have never gotten a moment that she easily deserved. That's very, very true. I mean, BET Awards needs to be on a, a higher platform, period. I yeah. think we all need to treat it like the Grammys. Mm. We all need to treat it, especially us black people, we need to treat it like it matters because it does. Grammys will never give us, <laughs> they will never give us a rap album as a, like a like an album of, of the, the year. year. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Jay is 0 for 8. Kendrick keeps, like, gave them keeps two trying. obvious, great choices. You know what I'm saying? It, so, yeah, we so. still need it. We need it. Although we critique a lot, we still love it. We still support it. We'll still watch it every year. Right, Sylvia? <laughs> right, because, you know, some people right. good. Right, right, right. You know, that's where we saw Beyonce and Jay-Z's a little Hello? pat on the booty. That's where Monique gave us her crazy in love, curvy girl moment. Yes. Like, we oh have good years. Yes. But Michael Jackson and, uh, and um, James, James Brown. Brown. Oh, my God. Oh, so it has good moments, but... Lesson. This year, let's get to it. You know, Jamie Foxx's hosting got mixed <laughs> reviews. I'm going to start with Chico Beam, who tweeted, Jamie Foxx hosting is hosting like the check ain't cleared yet. Facts. <laughs> That's a fact. That is a clear fact. He read no teleprompter. I really felt like there was just no teleprompter. None. And he was like, yeah, we're just going to say F it and just do whatever we want to do, which it just wasn't planned. It felt like it wasn't rehearsed. Yeah. It was a lot of ums, a lot of just, I was so confused and I was excited. Cause uh, yeah, because Jamie, Jamie is, is funny. He's a comedian legend. We're not gonna take that away from right. him. But last night, mm -mm. that did not come through. Mm -mm. Like, Jamie is funny. I'm not gonna say Jamie's not funny. So funny. But I don't know, last night he was kind of like the your, the drunk uncle at the cookout doing right. the most at the spades table. Just right. a lot. And a particular moment had to do with a lot of the Black Panther stuff, which makes me go to Deezus nicest tweet, mm -hmm. which is when he said, BT is doing more to damage Wakanda <laughs> than Thanos. <laughs> like that's the truth. Like first of all, we're tired of Wakanda. <laughs> Only people fifty and I mean, up. My my mother, <laughs> my mom still does this. I don't even do this anymore. <laughs> that's done. Like I mean, we get it was good. It does, it was great. We loved it. And then a Donald Glover point like that. Like he kept pulling people on stage. Somebody said like when your family members keep come up embarrass you. I'm like, come on, baby, sing yeah, that right, song. Come on, come on, sing like, that song. Donald you sing. He literally made Donald. Glover sing that song. It was so awkward. <laughs> it was very awkward. I don't know if you
you caught it, but like in the beginning, he he like referenced T'Challa, but he was talking about Michael B. Jordan, and he cleaned it up later. Because oh. I was like, is Chadwick Boseman here? Oh. It's just like he kept harping on Black Panther, and it was like we get because it. Because he's fifty and over, <laughs> fifty and over. They're so excited. They're still excited about the the Wakanda life. They have parties still. Have you ever seen like the Wakanda theme parties for like fifty and <laughs> over? It's, it's a lot. Right, the but, all white linen party uh, for Wakanda. It's a real thing. It's a whole thing. But let's talk about some of these performances. Yes. Oprah Prodigy, you tweeted, they honestly could have given me a full her and Daniel Caesar concert. I would have been happy. Sis, that's it. The best performance of the night, easy. Yeah, yes. Well, I mean, not easy. Okay, yeah. and we'll get to Cole, because I already know, uh, yeah. I already know what's right. <laughs> if you follow Scotty, you know what he's about to say. J. Yes, Cole, we're yes, going to get yes, to him. Yes, yes. But Real talent shines through. That was a moment with those two. It was and beautiful. it was beautiful. I mean, that damn song, it makes me want to be in love for like four or five four, seconds. Four hours. <laughs> four strong hours of marriage I want to do with that song. And then just get divorced. Just four? Four, four strong ones, though. Four strong. Four, passionate, four happy hours. What? What? No argument? No, let me look through your phone. <laughs> let me just love you for four hours. Okay, yeah. I love that so much. I love them both, though. Them both, like, they have great talent. They both play instruments, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful to see. I love to see her on a bigger platform. Yep. Yep. People are now yes. recognizing who she is, and I'm so excited. That That's another reason why BET Awards need to happen. Yeah, because her would have never. Yes. Another performance that maybe wasn't as perfect but had good intentions was Meek Mills. Um, I'm going to go to this tweet from Don Will that says, XXX hoodie for when you want to make a statement that undermines the other statement you're making. Mm -hmm. And what he means by that is the fact that, you know, Meek had this woke song about police brutality and violence against black bodies. And he even had like a stage play happen in the back where police break up this, try to break up this fight. And then there's a little innocent black girl who was in the corner ends up getting hit by a stray bullet and dying. I thought it was a boy. It was a girl, it was, it was a girl, girl who was jump roping in the beginning. Oh, oh. And so I think that's why it was interesting that he had X's um, face on because while yes, to, uh, extension, the rapper who just passed away, I mean, who was killed. He was killed, but it wasn't really due to police violence, but it was due to gun violence. Um, but he, you know, has as a known domestic abuser. Right. Um, so it was kind of like you were trying to make a point about what, you know, violence against black women while wearing somebody who has been violently <laughs> violent towards black women on right. your chest. And this is the definition sometimes for some that, that stay woke. Thing, you know what I'm saying? They want to ignore everything else and focus on black men, police brutality, and gun violence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I don't think people know that it's a whole bigger spectrum. There's a whole lot of other issues involved yeah. in staying woke. It's complicated. Right. There's a bit more nuance to it. And I do believe Meek's song performance was good intentions. I can see how people were I see it. I understand it. But I can also see why. But women aren't included in those conversations, yeah. and that's usually the problem. Women are never the topic of the conversation when it comes to staying woke. It has to do with the black man and death yeah. and police brutality or gun violence. So. Yeah. So there's that one. Okay. We're going to transition on to Anita Baker, who got the Lifetime Achievement Award, and her tribute was surprisingly good because, you know, we were getting a little worried about how they was going to do Hello? it as the night was going on. First of all, Sylvia, <laughs> first and first and foremost, how do you spend so much time with the Jamie Foxx intro? <laughs> he was saying a little keyboard. If y'all don't get him off this screen. <laughs> I mean, it was cute at first. 
It was not nice. singing one kind song. And then he kind of carried it on. Oh, my but God. Speak, but once we got past the Jamie Foxx, we had a lot of great singers come on, which goes to Darian's tweet, who said, y'all got the right ones to sing for this Anita Baker tribute. Well, yeah, I feel like they have them on standby. Like, the, the <laughs> Marsha, and Marsha, Marsha. She will be on a BT tribute at every Lettucey, year. Let us see. Yolanda. Now, Yolanda, God's favorite vocals, Adams. Hello. <laughs> Made Anita sit down in that chair. And reflect. Back. Reflect. <laughs> Reflect on the <laughs> gifts that God has given them all because my baby, Joy, Yolanda sang, honey. Joy, had she sang. Hello, okay. They all sang. But you know, there were definitely other people who we would like to see more of in these tributes. Yes, yeah. I personally would have loved to see Andre 3000 come out because he loves Anita. That's he what I was looking I don't believe to. that if you would have called Andre, he wouldn't have came to give Anita this award. I really would have loved to see that. Does he have a number? Yeah, that's the question. Things, speaking of things we'd love to see. Let's talk about Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Sis. Um, Sis. Okay, we're gonna start out with this tweet, which says, we need to have an honest conversation about Nicki Minaj. So we're going to try to have it for you in these two minutes, Dev. What's been going on with her lately, Scotty? Because sis was on a glittered, fake plastic horse last night, dancing with polo, um, oompa loompa looking dancers in front. Giving her whole performance, like she was really, you know, she was giving us what she got. But like, what? At the same time, what? Like, I, I'm, I want to preface by saying, I like Nicki Minaj. You know, like I'm rooting for her, but she's making it difficult. I'm rooting for everybody, black. But everybody here's the problem. <laughs> Break it down. What is happening? <laughs> Nicki Minaj has never been, for me, a stellar performer. Okay. I got that. Yeah. Even in the beginning of the performance, I was like, oh, okay, like, I hear her, there's no track, like, she's rapping, so I'm like, okay, let's get it. It's when she dropped on the floor and she just did oh, that. Oh, she just started crawling crawl, And then she put her <laughs> knee to her ear, and I was like, sis, we gotta keep it 30. You know what I'm saying? Because I see it. I see the struggle. We all saw the struggle and restraint, and I was like, oh, God, I just want her. So then when she disappeared, I'm like, okay. Let's yes. get it. You know what I'm saying? Then, let's let's get off our knees. Back, rev up, and right. then horse appeared, and I literally fell out in my apartment screaming. Sis. I did, cause I really, I just what? want more for Anika. I want more for Anika, and but we're, I guess we have an album coming out in August called Queen. Yeah. Which makes me nervous, cause that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself right now. But you know. But I mean, she is. We still have to give her the title. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We still have to respect that she is the top leading woman in in emceeing right now. You know what I'm saying? She is. I gotta give it to her. She'll be for a while. Okay. Until somebody knocks her off that. Knocks her off. And that's all part of competition. Please don't start with the, oh, we gotta, why can't everybody be on the same? It's a competition. Rap has always been about com com like competition. So it has. stop it, please. Yes. Thanks so much, Scotty. Love you. Love you. Love having these conversations <sighs> with you. Up next, we will be revealing our Man Crush Monday. Ooh. Quote about today's Man Crush Monday. When he grows a mustache, it is both lush and broad, one of the great mustaches of the screen and stage. His eyes have a perpetual twinkle about them, as if God plucked two stars from the sky and gave them the distinct honor of starring in a long-running USA Network series. That's right, our Man Crush Monday is... Tony Shalhoub! Yes! Oh my God, look at him. Look at how dapper he is. 
Uh, joining me now to talk about this delightfully mustachioed man, sorry, is Gabriella Paella, who wrote that piece, wrote the words that I just read, and the piece is titled, I Simply Love Tony Shalhoub. It's true. I do simply love him. Um, and thank you for having me, Isaac. I feel like I've been waiting to talk about this my entire life. You, um, you yeah. really did it with this mm -hmm. piece. You really did it. You, you say in it that he has experienced a Shalubasance? Mm -hmm. Did I nail that? Did I, I get it? That's true, Okay. Yeah. What is he up to now? Uh, so he is in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He plays the dad character who's very grumpy and very serious, but also this comedic foil. And um, he was just in the band's visit and he wanted Tony for that. He was, he was just, and he, he wanted Tony. And let's take a look at his award mm -hmm. speech. Uh, there it is. <laughs> it's late, and I know you're all tired, so I'm going to make this as long as I possibly can. All right, so he started with a dad joke, mm -hmm. which I like. Classic. Would you say Tony Shalhoub is a dad? I think he is. I think he's a dad, but he's not a daddy, and it's very important to make that distinction. Talk about that distinction mm -hmm. for me. Well, as I mentioned in the piece, um, he reminds me and everyone in my family of my uncle Ramses, because everyone has an uncle who's named after a pharaoh, obviously. <laughs> but um, so for me, it's not, it's a purely platonic crush. Okay. If, if people want it to be more, I'd encourage them to do that. You encourage mm -hmm. them to do that if they want to get into it. But for you, it's very much dad mm -hmm. or uncle. Or uncle. Not so much daddy. Absolutely. Um, what else did he say? I mean, he did. He started with that dad joke, but what did he say in that speech? He talked about his immigrant father and just uh, talked about the importance of immigrants in general in a time, you know, obviously where this is an important subject. So it was it was a very moving Tony speech. Yeah, started with a dad joke, but then actually got, he's got the range, mm -hmm. as we say here on the show. Absolutely. Um, how did you come to love him? What are some of the, like, I mean, we know him as Adrian Monk, mm -hmm. obviously, but what are some of the other Tony Shalhoub roles that you just absolutely adore? Big Night, obviously, um, but I actually love him in Galaxy Quest, which is one of my favorite movies. It's a really underrated It's a fantastic movie. movie. Mm -hmm. Remind, I'd kind of forgotten that he was in it. Who does he play in Galaxy Quest? He plays a doctor character, like a sort of specialist, and it's, uh -huh. it's a little zany. Uh-huh, and, and that is kind of right. He plays these awkward characters kind of so well. Um, what's a role you would want to see him in? Like, what's a dream, like, let's do some dream casting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we should make Big Night too. I think it's time. <laughs> For those not familiar with Big Night, give, give the pitch. So it is about two Italian chef brothers um, and it's a comedy drama. They're struggling with the restaurant and uh, whether or not the American public can appreciate true Italian food. And Tony Shalhoub plays the serious character to the Stanley Tucci, who's like the sort of easygoing younger brother. So I think it's time, Big Night 2. What would happen big in Big Night 2? Give me your, you're the director. What happens in Big Night 2? I two? think they open an Olive Garden franchise. They just go all the way in. <laughs> they become super corporate. Yeah. Hollywood, we are giving you great ideas mm -hmm. on this show all the time. Uh, one last question before I let you go. Were you surprised by the response your piece got? Were you surprised by how many other people love Tony Shalhoub I like you? Not. I no? was not. I think everyone's always loved him. For me, he's like my personal Tom Hanks. So mm. I'm happy to hear other people have always loved him. He's always been in stuff, always been a beloved guy, but now he's really having his moment. He's having his moment. So much so that you guys are selling a shirt, right? We are. Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. What's it called? It Give it a plug. It says simply love Tony Shalhoub. I've already ordered one for my whole family. So. And you can get them on the cut? Mm hmm At the cut shop. All right. Awesome. Well, Gabriella, thank you so much for sharing your love of Tony Shalhoub with us this Monday. Up next, uh, we've got more AM to DM coming at you. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. It's making me want to bring back a mustache. Like, I might shave the beard Good. and go for it. Yeah, in yeah. Tony's honor. <laughs>
This is your push alert. Here's a tweet from BuzzFeed Supreme Court correspondent Chris Geithner. The Supreme Court granted, vacated, and remanded a bunch of cases this morning, including a North Carolina redistricting case and Arlene's Flowers. The moves mean the court is not planning to resolve either issue in the immediate future. Chris joins us now. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Isaac. <laughs> oh, man, look at you coming live from the courthouse. I love it. <laughs> so Arlene's, Here we are. Here we are. So Arlene's Flowers is a florist that refused to serve a same-sex wedding. What exactly did the Supreme Court do here? Yeah, what, what the court did was basically when whenever they issue a decision, uh, and this year obviously we had the, the Masterpiece Cake Shop decision about the baker in Colorado, uh, when they have other cases that are similar that were pending before them, oftentimes what they do is this, this process called GBR, Grant, Vacate, and Remand, that basically means, okay, we've decided something similar uh, does does the lower court that previously heard this case have have a different decision now? Do do they want to rethink their past ruling? Um, and so this now goes back to Washington court, where they can look at the the masterpiece cake shop decision and decide whether or not they they still think that their ruling against the florist uh, should stand. And if it does. Uh, the case could end up back before the Supreme Court in a, a year or two uh, with, with Arlene's flowers again asking the U.S. Supreme Court to take it up. Right. And here's another tweet from you, Chris. Only one of four challenged Texas districts is an Im impermissible racial gerrymander Supreme Court rules. What happened here? Yeah, there there has been longstanding challenges to uh, the the Texas redistricting, both its state house and its congressional districts, uh, with allegations that they are are racial gerrymandering, uh, that they were attempts to either dilute or pack racial uh, votes of minority voters into into smaller districts or dilute their vote power in other districts, and the the court today decided that four districts uh, that were being challenged from state house and congressional districts, um, that, that most of them were, uh, were, were permissible, that the court below that had found these four districts were racial gerrymanders, uh, that they had relied on a 2011 map uh, that had been found to be impermissible uh, and when the 2013 legislature passed a new map, uh, what, what they said is that the, what the Supreme Court today said was you have to consider that new map, what that legislature did, and that the court below had, had relied, what they said was they had relied too much on the taint of the 2011 map. Um, that because you thought the 2011 map had problems, you need to prove again that the 2013 map had similar problems, was similarly motivated by, by uh, attempts to, to create a racial gerrymander. And the fact that the court relied too much on the 2011 map meant that, that they basically had to toss out that ruling. Uh, they upheld it as to one of the districts, uh, a Texas State House district that they said was, was still a, a, an impermissible racial gerrymander.
All right, and, and Chris, we're still waiting on the travel ban ruling. Uh, when are we likely to learn what the Supreme Court is going to rule there? I know you've been hustling, following all these yeah. rulings for a while we, now. When are we going to hear about we, that we one? Still, we still have four cases left, and at the end of today, we, we could have— Today, we went into today with six cases left. There was a chance we could have gotten all six, but instead we only got two decisions. Um, and so there's four left. Uh, the court told us that there will be more decisions tomorrow, uh, but they, they didn't tell us that tomorrow's the last day, which sometimes they, they do tell us at the, the end of one day, they say, well, we'll have opinions tomorrow and tomorrow will be the, the last day of the term. But they didn't tell us that. So it's entirely possible that we'll get another two decisions tomorrow and then have a, a final day on, on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, but we've got we've got the, the travel ban case. We've still got the, the ruling on uh, public, uni public sector union fees. We've still got uh, the case about California's law regarding crisis pregnancy centers and, and a, a disclosure that they have to, to make. Um, and, and so we, we've still got a lot left, uh, despite the fact that there's only four cases and, uh, and it could be tomorrow. It could be Wednesday or even Thursday, Wow! but it'll, it almost certainly will be this week. Got it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Thanks. Stick around. We react to your tweets next. I like that. It's like, there's still a lot of Welcome back, uh, Ms. Jonesy. I want to start out with this tweet from you. You said, "Clearly, I am now a huge Scotty Bean stan and need several shows involving her walking down fancy sidewalks with good <laughs> drinks and Sylvia O'Bell and just ch getting chatty for whatever good reason they want." Uh, to which I say, "Amen." A uh, prayer, a wish, a hope. Uh, it's, it's called Saturday for me and Scotty, to be honest. <laughs> but yes, we should get. Cameras. You can just get that camera out. <laughs> get cameras one day. Just Follow keep us recording. on IG if you want a preview. Mm, mm. Good Instagram plug. Nice job. There, nice. Same job. as my Twitter handle. Seriously, I loved watching you guys talk about it. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You think Nate, Nicki Minaj stands are gonna come for you though? No, I mean because like we said, it was with love. We want good for Nicki. We want better for Nicki. Not I feel like that's such a shame. And, oh, and it's with Scotty love, but I want. Nicki is the reigning queen of hip hop. I don't think that's a bad thing to say. All right. You know. All right. But anyway. Anytime anything's prefaced with, I say it with love. I just. <laughs> I, listen, Cini Martinez is fed up tweeting hatred towards children is despicable. Calling the cops on children, separating parents from children. This country has hit a new low. Sini, it is very hard to look at the news all the time and not feel this kind of very same feeling. Um, the, the hardest part about it is it's also not new. Right. I was, it's, that's the sad part. It's happening again. It's happening in Asia. We can all see it. Mm -hmm. But like we know, like separating families is what the that, like what the basis of slavery was. You know, this is something that's been happening in this country for a very long time, and it's, you would hope that we would have progressed in the year of our Lord 2018. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. you know. Here we are. Here we are. Miss um, Jonesy is wondering about the results of this family separation policy. She tweeted, wonder what the stories about this time at Health and Human Services are going to be when people start quitting or when whatever slows this down happens. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen this already start to kind of happen a little bit. A few employees have, have decided to start leaving, start, um, I feel like I saw a tweet somebody had that went viral. It was like, now's the time to quit and snitch. 
quit and snitch. <laughs> um, because you are going to see a lot of people coming up with uh, what their work is versus what their moral practices it's, are. It's a conflict often. Yeah. And it's sad that we've gotten to the place where you have to choose between your check and feeding your family mm -hmm. and your morals. Yeah, I think there's going to, I do believe we will see more stories like that in the not too distant future. Uh, Lisa Lamb also has some guidelines for celebrities who want to help. It's helpful if the celebrity is informed, just like anybody else. Know what your issue is about. Be able to have credible written articles and other references to support your statements. To which I say, amen. Receipts. Yeah. Have, have receipts. <laughs> have your receipts ready. <laughs> Always be willing to let an activist speak before you. Um, but I love that. I mean, I feel like I'm going to retweet that right after the yeah. show. That is a very good thought. Well said. Well said. Well, listen, thank you to Amber Jamison, Paul McLeod, Scotty Beam, Gabriella Paella, and Chris Geithner for joining us this morning. It was a wonderful show. And thank you so much, of course, to Sylvia for being my co-host. Thank you, Isaac. You're always a fun co-host. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was a little bit, you're like, eh, kind of fun, no, kind of fun. Love co hosting with Isaac always. We like to have fun. And listen, Saeed uh, was taking a break because he had a Pride weekend. Happy Pride weekend to everyone else that is out there recovering. <laughs> he will be back at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And I'm not shouting him out, that was planned. I just want to say it was a plan. <laughs>